In some ways, you could say that technology got us into the mess that is climate change, but can technology get us out of it? Globally, we're getting a better handle on lowering the greenhouse gas emissions that are fueling climate change. Still, scientists don't think that we're doing that fast enough to keep the global temperature from rising. But what if we took one of the main contributors, carbon, and turned it into valuable products while keeping it out of the air? Could that be a key to getting us to a planetary goal of net zero? Could it fully negate greenhouse gas emissions and level out rising temperatures? In this episode of Farms, Food, and You, we'll look at what essentially equates to carbon recycling and the potential it holds for farmers, entrepreneurs, and society in general. It's a topic covered in the latest magazine of North Carolina State University's College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Our guest is Dr. Joe Sagas, the researcher featured in that article. An assistant professor in NC State's Department of Biological and Agricultural Engineering, Joe Sagas is one of the university's leaders in finding ways to capture more of carbon's value while keeping it out of the atmosphere. He's also a team co-leader on the U.S. Department of Energy-funded Roads to Removal Project. The project involved researchers from multiple institutions with the goal of finding the lowest cost, nearest-term solutions to removing carbon from the atmosphere. Bioprocessing takes the carbon that comes from living things, animal waste, for example, or plants, and turns it into useful products. The type of bioprocessing that I do starts with some type of what we call feedstock, um, which is basically a form of biomass that's available at low cost that is typically considered a waste material today. And so good examples are food waste is a feedstock to a bioprocess animal manure, um, agricultural residues, so things that are typically left in the field or incinerated. Um, think of like corn stover, sugarcane bagasse, a couple examples of ag residues, and also forestry residues. So dif different types of biomass that typically decay, uh, are incinerated, or are landfilled today. Right. So we're trying to sort of prevent those end use cases and process them, so process the biological material, hence bioprocessing, into some valuable bioproduct. That's bioprocessing in a nutshell. The kinds of bioproducts that Sagas studies vary widely, from biofuels to bioplastics and from building materials to soil amendments. For example, he's looked at turning paper waste into graphite for lithium-ion batteries and creating biofuels from waste cotton and even from seaweed. Sagas focuses on taking technology out of its concept stage, optimizing it at lab scale, then working with others to commercialize it. His emphasis is on making processes and products that are carbon negative. In other words, he's aiming for products that not only remove carbon from the air, but also remove more carbon than they generate across their lifespan, from production to disposal. Roads to Removal is one of his latest projects. And we basically looked at Every county in the U.S. through these optimization models, um, we looked at the availability of different biomass resources at every single county across the U.S. And then we plugged those biomass resources, whether that be food waste, animal manure, ag residues, it doesn't matter, right? Some sustainable biomass. We plugged it into a model that would run it through different processes, different bioprocesses, fermentation, pyrolysis, combustion, gasification. And it would select for the lowest cost pathway for that particular area. Um, 
the lowest cost pathway for removing carbon, right? And so that's kind of what the major question was, is like, what's the lowest bioprocess, lowest cost of bioprocessing technology for every single state and even every single county? Finding those answers matters. Since 1990, global carbon dioxide emissions have increased by more than 60%. Today, we're only actively removing a few million tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere each year. Sega's team found that industrial processing could remove approximately 500 million tons every year for less than $100 per ton. The main result was actually just a couple technologies that ended up dominating. The pathways that I think are most interesting from the modeling are uh, gasification, also fermentation, capturing CO2 from brewing and other types of fermentation processes, or, as well as uh, pyrolysis, um, to make bio-oil to go into bio-asphalt, which is a very interesting new technology. Some of the findings from Roads to Removal show particular promise for the southeastern United States. The region rated second after the Midwest when it comes to total capacity and lowest cost for carbon removal. One reason that the southeast fared well in the study is that it has lots of farm and forest land that produce carbon-emitting waste. That waste, with a little finessing, could be turned into value-added products. And so could animal waste, with an animal industry that makes up about 70% of North Carolina's agricultural industry, adding value to this waste material could be game-changing. Another potential game-changer, finding new uses for food waste from Charlotte, Raleigh, and the state's other urban areas. All in all, the Roads to Removal project provides solid evidence that there are economically viable technologies that can be put to work in the short term to remove carbon from the air, But as Sega says, more research and development is needed to optimize the amount of carbon they can remove. This was sort of phase one, the Roads to Removal project. We're hoping there's going to be a phase two where we analyze a number of new technologies that were too early stage in phase one. Now, we're really at the early days of of the carbon removal industry and, and what technologies end up really, truly winning and standing out. But the industry is growing so fast with innovation and new technologies that it's, it's hard to predict right now. While acknowledging the uncertainties that remain, Sagus is optimistic about three new technologies. One of those he's helping to develop. Called flipped composting, the technology takes food waste, combines it with microbes that live off oxygen, and turns them into marketable compost, usable water, and carbon dioxide that can be used in such products as foaming rubber and plastics and fire retardants. Yeah, flipped composting, basically what we do is we enclose the composting. It's an industrial composting process. So we enclose it in like a low-cost bioreactor design, and we inject pure oxygen. And that allows the microbes, which do the composting, the decomposing, they're aerobic microorganisms, um, they generate CO2 as they grow. That CO2 concentration climbs and climbs and climbs in our reactor until it gets to about 95%. That high-purity carbon dioxide is then captured for sale or sequestration. While Sagas is working to show that flipped composting makes economic sense on an industrial scale, he's also bullish on carbon-removing possibilities being pursued by others. One being commercialized in the Midwest involves using pyrolysis to turn corn stover into a soil amendment called biochar and into bio-oil, a thick, gooey substance that can be pumped deep into the ground where it will stay locked away indefinitely. Another standout is wood burial. So this is taking like forest thinnings and wood wood that's not very valuable 
um, but still contains a lot of biocarbon and would typically be incinerated or just landfilled or piled up somewhere. And what they do is they carefully dig up chambers or vaults, they call them, and they place the wood there and they make sure it stays dry for hundreds, thousands of years. And that carbon is locked up and it's not returning. As Cal's magazine puts it, the carbon-negative bioeconomy points the way for profitability and sustainability to converge on a path to a cooler world. And that, says Segus, is just the kind of economy needed to avoid climate change's most dire effects. To read more about his research, check out the fall 2023 issue of Cal's magazine. The link is available in the show notes. Thank you for joining us on Farms, Food, and You, produced by the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at North Carolina State University. We hope you'll be back to listen again next time as we take a hike on the North Carolina Oyster Trail.